0: Hey guys
1: and girls, welcome Welcome to to Single Single to Sealed.
0: Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna.
1: As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage.
0: All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk.
1: Welcome back everybody for another Single to Sealed podcast episode. We are so excited to have a fantastic guest here with us today. Everyone welcome Amanda Louder. Amanda thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here.
1: We are so excited to have you and just before we pass the mic over to you we want to give a little little bio about you for our listeners. So Amanda is a certified life coach with a specialty in sex and marriage. She is a host of a very successful podcast called Sex for Saints and is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She is a divorced and remarried mom to three children and a stepmom to two. Yep, that's me. (laughs) And we recently discovered her favorite cereal, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So there you go. Now you know everything about her. Everything about me. (laughs) Yep.
0: yes prior to recording this this podcast we you know we're kind of chatting up a storm and talking about how the viral story of shrimp tails found in cinnamon toast crunch like we I don't need to know, know that know, i'm guys. ever going
1: to be able to eat it again <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we need to know and good job know, jerry you just ruined her, of her favorite
1: <laughs> cereal and she hardly eats cereal anyways so look we, at you <laughs> we need answers Okay, well, Amanda, I do have a question for you. So you have your own very successful podcast. What got you into podcasting? What inspired you to start that?
2: Well, I feel like um, sex is such a a topic that not a lot of people, especially within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are talking about. And so I really wanted to put that out there so that people could get a lot better information about sex and about marriage and what it can actually look like um, within our value system, how a healthy sexuality can actually exist. And it just, I see so many problems in the women that come to get coaching with me that I really wanted to just put something that is really, really valuable out into the world that people don't have to pay me for, that they can just uh, learn from and get a lot of really great information to help them with this really important part of their marriage.
0: That's great. And, and you said uh, women, Are, do you do women coaching only?
2: Specifically yes. So I only coach women um just because that's really where my focus is on helping them feel more comfortable with their sexuality and really help them in their sex lives. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for the men too. <laughs> they often share a lot of what I teach them with their husbands so that they can both be learning and growing together, but I specifically work with women.
1: So that means men who are listening right now do not tune out of this episode because there is no. a lot of great stuff for you to hear today and it's it's for both of you (laughs)
2: absolutely absolutely just because i only coach women doesn't mean i don't know about men too and what they can do to make their sexual experience better as well
0: so what what motivated you to become a life coach
2: Well, after I went through my divorce, um, I, and then I got remarried and people kind of saw me as a success, which sounds really funny (laughs) saying that. (laughs) Um, but I have a really good relationship with my ex-husband. Our kids are doing well. I have an amazing marriage with my husband, Kevin now. And so people kind of started coming to me for divorce advice. And so for years I was kind of just, um, toying with the idea of maybe becoming a therapist to help other women who had gone through what I had. With five kids, it just was really would have been impossible for me to basically Mm -hmm. go back and redo my undergrad, go to graduate school, do all of the hours that you need to become a good therapist. And then I was introduced to coaching and I knew that this was the perfect fit for me because I really wanted to help women who were functioning, but just wanted things to be so much better. I didn't really want to deal lot with like mental illness and stuff like that. That just really wasn't where my passion lies. And so, um, that's kind of how I started out, um, was coaching women who were struggling in their marriage and contemplating divorce. But as time went on, I saw how many women were needing help with their sex life. And it's something that I have worked on a lot for myself. Um, I, was the low desire partner and hated sex for a long time, got no pleasure from sex for a very long time. And I really had to work on myself and overcome a lot of the shame and guilt that I think the culture of the church often places on sex. And so um, by doing so, i I've, completely changed the way that I approach sex in my marriage and my husband and I have a great sex life. And so then I started, I decided to start helping women with that specifically. And that's when pretty much my business exploded (laughs) because it is something that you don't hear about very often and it is so, so needed.
0: We've talked about on the podcast a few different times now that uh, understanding sex and sexuality is something that we just don't feel like is talked about enough uh within the church and a lot of that yeah. can come from just the way we talk about sex being always something that you're in trouble for instead yes. of yes instead of something that's uh, a privilege and intimate and and beautiful which is stuff that they that you that they say and and you kind of know but when the moment comes you're scared and you don't really know what to expect or uh the shame that comes over you when you don't have the perfect experience that you were hoping to have on your honeymoon. You now it's just a wide range of issues that comes from I think a lack of that education uh within the home, maybe in schooling systems, just yeah. in, in a lot of a lot of places are at fault for this, you know. And so we're just trying to come together here with this podcast and um a couple different people to really bring this idea home and help people have that source of information. So I'm glad that you have a whole podcast that's that's dedicated to that and, and a life coaching thing so that people can really get that information that they need.
1: And a great podcast too, because I've been listening to it since I discovered Amanda and she has amazing content, you guys. So if you are <laughs> outside of the realm of our podcast, definitely check it out. We will be linking in, in the show notes. You can go give her a podcast to listen as well. Yeah. Thank you.
0: All right. So we're going to go ahead and, and move forward with our topic for today. Amanda has told us that she has six principles of sexual health that we want to chat about. So let's go ahead with that.
2: Yeah. So these are not my principles. This is from the Harvey Braun Institute. So I want to make sure that I'm giving credit where credit is due. But this is really one of the guiding um, ways that therapists and me as a coach Um, help people in really forming different ideas and their value system around sex and what healthy sexuality actually looks like. And I love teaching these because they aren't just for, um, a married couple. Um, they really are applicable when you are, um, dating and engaged and moving into, um, Any type of physical relationship with someone. So this isn't just about marriage and sex, but really these principles, they're principles that I teach my children. So. You know, I have five children right now. They range in age from 12 to 21. So I have young adults that are, you know, dating and, you know, looking to possibly get married in the next few years. And so this is something that I talk about with them um, differently than I would a married couple. But these six principles really translate to all aspects of sexuality and what a healthy sexual relationship looks like, but they can be applied even when you're not actually having sex. So the first principle of sexual health is consent. And I think this is a big part of what we talk about, um, in dating and stuff today is, um, making sure that you have consent for any type of, um, touch or, um, you know, asking, you know, asking for permission, basically. And consent is a big, big deal in today's world, making sure that you it's not just um, a reluctant, okay, or they're feeling pressured to say yes, but really like a hearty, excited, yes, that this is something that I want to do. And so that's something that really translates into the dating realm and engaged. like, you know, can, I, and sometimes we don't ask for consent because we're afraid of maybe what the answer is, or like, we don't want to seem stupid or dumb, but consent is really, really important. So, you know, asking, can I hold your hand? Can I hug you? Can I give you a kiss? You know, can... What else are you comfortable with is Are you saying yes because you feel like you have to, or you really want to do this? so consent is the number one principle of sexual health that I feel like is really, really important that we can teach to children at any age and definitely needs to be part of the dating world
0: I think that's a a great first point um, it, It's important for people to understand the concept of consent, but it also is like shows. A degree of respect that you have for other people and for yourself and your appearance. You know, just because we're we're in this world where unfortunately a, a lot of people um, get caught in these situations where we're we're seeing a lot of rape accusations or realistic rape situations, situations that people don't even know may be considered rape due to negligence of you know understanding consent. You know, and mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a really big part of of this whole, you know, sexual relationship. You know, people think, oh, they're married now, so all things go. That's also not true. You know, there's Correct. consent even in marriage. Like, we could be four years married and just that night I want to have sex. And Brianna says, I'm not having sex with you. But, I mean, that's the end of that. Like, consent still translates throughout your whole relationship. You know, and so um, I love that you also talk about consent with kids. And that's huge. Just because we say that kind of stuff to our kid all the time, you know that that other kid doesn't want you to touch them, you know or or we respect her boundaries, she's like, "Stop touching me, don't touch me, okay, it's your body you know, yes. like we're we're trying to help her understand that she has power over her little body, and that, Absolutely. that provides safety for her right now
2: that mm-hmm. is so so good, and you bring up a great point that consent doesn't change that principle once you're married um so What I find a lot with my clients is they've been having sex out of duty or obligation for years, and that is actually not considered consensual sex. Because it's not you when you go into it with um, you know an excited and happy yes and expecting to have a mutually pleasurable experience, that's when consent is. But if you're just doing it because you're supposed to or you are afraid of how your spouse will react if you say no, that is not considered consensual, so that's a really important part of this as well.
1: I think it's also really important to note in the avenue of consent. That consent also includes that if you're the person who's you know, asking, can I hold your hand or can I kiss you when you're dating especially, and they say no, so in essence, I guess, guess they reject that offer, that mm-hmm. you react in a safe way for them. So yes. if, you, if they say no to you kissing them, they're like, I'm not ready. You don't get upset or frustrated or roll your eyes or be like, come on, when am I going to get to kiss you or you know, tease them about it? That makes sense. That makes consent not safe for them. And that is not a way of getting that hearty response Um, and that hearty yes that you're looking for. You know, giving them a hard time about it isn't going to make them want to open up. And yeah, I think that's just as wrong as as you asking. If you're going to ask the question, you should be willing to take the answer, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
2: Absolutely. And you don't want as the partner to be pressuring them to do something that they don't want to do with your reaction.
1: That's really, I think it's, this is a really good thing to talk about too, because of that new study that was just released, what was it like two weeks ago, about 97% of women have been sexually harassed between the ages of, I think it's 18 and 24, which is an Mm. astronomical number. And the best way that we can help stop that from happening is for men to practice consent more in every interaction that they have with women. Uh, because that number needs to be way lower than ninety seven percent that's crazy, and I know myself as a woman i'm sure you yourself as well, Amanda, which is sad to say, have been in moments where you have felt sexually harassed or you have been in in that position where you feel extremely uncomfortable so
2: Absolutely. the best way
1: that men can make women feel safe is to give them full rights to consensual activity of any kind.
0: Yes, I totally agree with that i I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Facebook too, where people have been pushing this idea a lot more of educating men and helping men understand ways that they can change versus women, so with this happening that ninety seven percent number, people will continually say it's because a girl dresses like this or it's because a girl went to she went to the bar and was there you know like they continual yeah. continually make the the victim the the problem mm-hmm. and it's not more we, that like rape we, culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely need a a big shift and to help more guys push this idea and understand that we need more people saying like, you know, that guys need to understand their position. What can a guy do different? You know, why does a girl have to be anywhere and worried about being raped or having her consent taken from her at any time despite the situation when the man is in most cases I should say, um being the person assaulting them. And so just guys who are listening to this podcast today, when you think about consent, even right now, we're all thinking in our minds, it's the guy getting consent from the girl. But but it can be the other direction as well.
2: Totally. Absolutely. Okay. So the second principle is um, non-exploitation. Something that is sexually healthy, requires it to be non-exploitative. And exploitation is when a person uses their power or control to receive any sort of sexual gratification. Now, we often think of this in terms of pornography or sex trafficking, but it also happens inside of relationships and marriages. So we really want to look at how we are using our power Um, as an individual to influence someone else to do what we want. That would be considered exploitation and, again, isn't healthy. Now, this happens more in, you know, a long-term maybe dating relationship or in a marriage, you're probably not going to get this as much um, with younger kids. But I do teach my kids about this because we don't want anyone using their power over them. That's when we get into sex trafficking or abuse or whatever. But as far as relationships look like, it's more about one partner using some sort of power over the other one.
1: So can you give us an example of how this would happen in a dating relationship or Engagement pre marriage,
2: yeah. So, um, where I see this the most is one partner unilaterally changes the couple's agreements by cheating. Okay, so the exploitation is actually the cover up, it's the denial, it's pretending it didn't happen and exploiting the partner's trust. And this can be, you know, something physical, it can be an emotional cheating, like if someone is denying it all and trying to keep their partner's trust so that they can continue to get physical, you know, affection from them, sex, kissing, whatever, that is exploitation and that is not okay.
0: Thank you that's a really good example.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that.
2: Yeah. Okay, so the third principle is honesty. Honesty with yourself. And honesty with your partner. Honesty means being completely open to whatever it is that you are thinking and feeling and being able to share that with your spouse or your partner in some way. So if something is bothering you, being able to be honest about that. If you like something, being honest with that and being able to create that intimate relationship by both partners being completely honest with each other. That is a really, really important part of any um, healthy relationship as well as a healthy sexual relationship.
1: So I think that's a really important point because, you know, honesty doesn't just begin once you've gotten married, especially honesty when it comes to like intimacy, because you start to dip your toes in that water when you're dating and you're engaged, you know, by kissing or maybe making out a little bit. And it's important, like you said, to be honest with your significant other about what makes you feel uncomfortable or what you like. Because once you get married, if you've been lying about something you like or something that makes you uncomfortable, then you're not just going to be like, okay, we're married now. So, you know, it, it'll be yeah. all good now. <laughs> like, honesty is is something that you should start from day one. And if you're not feeling comfortable being honest with your significant other, I would say that you probably should not be with them. Because honesty yeah. is one of the key core pieces to a successful relationship. and. I mean, that that doesn't just translate to like the bedroom and to intimate relationships, but to all facets of your relationship. Um, But of course, sex and intimacy is a is a big part of a relationship, especially after marriage. So it's it's an important, important thing to have functioning (laughs) in your relationship.
0: I like to think that honesty and the consent go hand in hand, but the consent still trumps the honesty. So a, a situation for that would be that. You, you continually tell somebody that it's okay for them to do something, even though you weren't comfortable with it, because you didn't know how they'd react. And mm-hmm. then at the flip of a switch, after you've already made out a certain way several times, you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And they pressure you and say, we've been doing this this whole time. You said it was okay. Like, even though you lied and that was wrong, you still have the right to
1: withdraw consent.
0: Withdraw consent.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yep. That's a great point. Okay, so then, um, and I think one of the things with honesty is that again, that can be used at any age and in any relationship. So this is one that you know I talk heavily about to my kids about when they you know are starting you know in from the time they're really little is to be honest, right? That's one of the things that we really uh, value that we uphold in our family and in our religion is honesty. and when they can learn to be honest, first with themselves and then with others, that really translates into any healthy relationship. So this is something that, you know, is really good for all ages and all different kinds of relationships. Okay, the next one is shared values. And we all have different values um, when it comes to sex and intimacy and physical relationships and, you know, just in general, our values. And a lot of our values come from our belief in the gospel and the values that it instills. But for each of us, you know, certain values are more important than others. And so it's really important to talk to uh, whoever you're dating or engaged or you're married to about what your values are and what is most important to you and make sure that you're on the same page. Cause if someone, you know, values consent more than honesty <laughs> and the other person mm-hmm. values honesty more than consent, you know, then you might have a mismatch and you want to talk about that. So really this is just about talking about it Um, And really understanding what your values are and then, again, being honest about them and communicating that with your partner.
1: I think it also, this is a great point, I think it also leads back to um, your values when it comes to when it is okay to share an intimate relationship and also how early on in a relationship you feel comfortable doing. So, like, Jerry and I have talked a lot about in the podcast that we don't think you should be, you know, kissing or starting that intimate relationship until you're at least boyfriend and girlfriend and making that commitment with one another. And we know a lot of times, at least in the Provo and, you know, I guess you could say the hub of the church (laughs) where there's a lot of college students, NICMOs are really big and things like that. So, (laughs) so I mean, like, it's important to have those discussions with the person you're dating or you're with about where your values lie when it comes to intimacy. And, you know, some people might some men or women might value their pleasure over yours, and and those types of things are important mm-hmm. conversations to have and to make sure you're on the same page um, about what is most important.
0: I think that that concept of setting those expectations uh, as it pertains to our audience here uh, is probably going to happen. Maybe not so much on the first date, but more towards maybe even the third, fourth date, where you know you you go on a date with somebody and you really are just having a good time. You know, second date, oh that's really fun. By the third date. Uh, you want to know probably if somebody's really interested in you, what their intentions are, where they expect this to go. And that's just a good opportunity for you to be able to let, let those expectations um, out of what, of what each other wants. And so there's no misunderstanding of, of, and I'm just waiting for the right time with to make out with her after I'm in, you know, I'm in a good place where we're, we're good with one another. Now we can make out all the time and that's all I want from this. And I would want to know, I don't want to know if that's all a girl wanted for me, you know? And so, um, we, it's a good time to set those expectations.
2: Well, and it's a good time to understand your own boundaries as well. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where is your line? Because it's different for everyone. I mean, we do have certain, you know, understanding within the church of, you know, we don't have sexual relations before marriage, but you know, everybody's line is a little bit different and you have to decide mm-hmm. where yours is and communicate that and, you know, if your lines are different, that's good to know, right? Because you yep. don't want <laughs> someone pressuring you or pushing you or just doing something that you're not comfortable with because you didn't clearly communicate your value around it. I think another part of this is, you know, our values around, you know, what um, what is appropriate and what is not appropriate, you know, when it comes to sex before marriage? I mean, does pornography feel, you know, is, does that, is that part of your value system or is that, you know, viewing it against your value system? I mean, most of us within the church would probably say it goes against our value system, but it's still happening. So really tapping into your own value system and looking at that. And are you in integrity with yourself? And if you're not, what can you do to make sure that that's happening?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think also to to piggyback on that, another aspect of that too is, you know, we kind of always assume that if you're a member of the church, then you're a virgin or you haven't done anything. And I think those are important conversations to have, not right off the bat, but a little bit further into a relationship that that comes hand in hand with that honesty about Mm -hmm. yourself and making sure you're on the same page and you understand each other. And, you know, that comes a little bit with understanding each other's past as well and whether or not you're able to be forgiving. I had a really close friend that her um, husband that she married had, had a girlfriend for a long time and he wasn't a virgin. And that was Mm. really hard for her to come to terms with when she was going to marry him. And it took a lot of prayers and, and talking amongst amongst themselves in preparation to get married, because you know, when you've saved yourself, sometimes it can be difficult to overcome that. So those are important conversations to have as well when it comes to values and and goals and your ideas of what your marriage is going to be like when it comes to sex so
2: Absolutely. And I think that's one of the greatest things about these six principles of sexual health is when you can understand them and ha- start having conversations about them, that really opens up your marriage or your relationship into something more intimate. If you feel like you can't share some of these things with that person, that's probably not the person that you want to continue you know, having a relationship with or get married to. These are the kinds of conversations that are really, really important and are going to build from your, um, into your sexual relationship once you're married. So being able to be, you know, share values and really being honest about your past and what's happened and where you are now, what your lines are, what's okay, what's not okay. Like that's all part of it. And you need to be having these conversations.
0: I, I saw this, this clip once everyone's probably heard of the show family guy. I I saw this clip I saw this <laughs> clip once from from that show where um the main the main character the mom of the show is trying to teach uh she volunteers as like a sex ed teacher and tries to teach kids about the importance of sex <laughs> and abstinence and 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 why that's why that can be a good thing I guess um and and a, a craze starts around the school where kids start practicing ear sex <laughs> Oh, gosh. They, call it, they call it ear sex and the whole the whole thing's a joke obviously but 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 all the kids are doing that and they're saying oh it's fine I'm still a virgin because I've, I'm having ear sex and, and oh I think gosh. that 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 concept sounds stupid but within our culture we've heard so many stupid things mm. of we people have. saying, you know we're floating we're we're gazing, gazing we're staring at each other called. naked and don't worry we haven't penetrated yet so it doesn't nonsense. count as breaking the law of <laughs> chastity. Yeah. So like there, there's so many lines and those expectations. Like they sound so silly, but there are there are enough people out there doing this that people are talking about it and joking about it. To some degree, people don't actually know anymore like what's right, and that sounds silly, but they don't. And so this is a it, it's really serious to be able to have some of these conversations with people and to really understand someone's intent and to make sure that you set your boundaries. With with what you believe in. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard out of Provo. Oh yeah. I um armpit sex. I've heard that. I've I mean, I'm sure you guys (laughs) have heard of soaking that's been going on. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. these are you know, what people do because they think, oh, well, I'm still a virgin or I we're, you know, we're not like these are just excuses because you're not Mm -hmm. living within your values.
1: Yeah. Really. Yeah.
2: That's what it is.
1: Yep.
0: And we should never be living a culture of how close can I get to the line. Yeah. How close how close can I get to the line? And uh we should really be thinking, you know, how can I respect Stay safe. It? Yes. How can I be how can I stay safe? How can I respect this other person? You know, how can I save a lot of these intimate feelings for for marriage? And Brianna and I, uh, you know, we just at, towards the end of our gauge man we had a, a really hard time you know trying to keep ourselves from <laughs> off of yep. each other i'm sure we're not you know? the only ones no <laughs>
2: you're not no you're not
0: and and when, when and you, you're supposed to meet with your bishop a little bit towards the end and you get that recommend for them for the temple and he was just you know we're asking these questions you know like you know what give us some advice you know what's too much he's and, and this is what he told us he's like when when you guys are kissing he's just like are you feeling inappropriate thoughts and are you getting very aroused? And I was like, yes. He goes, then you should stop that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Like,
1: <laughs> He's like, if you're wondering if it's too much, then you're pushing it's too it too much. Far. <laughs> yeah, it's too much.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and we've had a couple people write, write us about this same idea of, you know, and specifically a writer said, you know, the strength of youth talks about passionate kissing. Is that what is that versus making out? Like what's okay to do? there's not and they'll say you know leave leave it up to you and your discretion it's like but but there isn't that much discretion it's just we don't understand because nobody wants to talk about it
2: yeah you know And, and yeah i i think it's really important for you know people in this age group that your podcast is aimed at that they understand that these feelings are actually really good and they're really normal but do we want to be using that outside of marriage And Mm -hmm. that comes down to your values.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So yes, it feels good. It's supposed to feel good.
1: It was a gift from God. Yes, (laughs) He wants us to feel those things.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. But is it within your value system to do that and to feel that on purpose outside of marriage? That's, that's where you have time. to turn inward. Mm-hmm. Are you living according to your value system? Are you in integrity with yourself?
1: Yeah, I love that. That's amazing, yeah.
2: I, I think that is one of the biggest questions that we can ask ourselves, not just when it comes to sex or you know physical intimacy, but really with everything in our life. I mean, that's a lot of what I teach my clients about is, are you in integrity with yourself in all areas? If you can say yes, you are living a good life. And like, and our values are different. Everybody's values are different. I mean, we have some pretty common ones within the church, but everybody's values are different. But if you are in alignment with your own integrity, it's between you and God, you are going to be living your best life. Yeah.
0: And, and I think that what you say is important here is, you're in alignment with your integrity, you know, but also within the bounds of, of God's teachings. Mm-hmm. You can't just make up your own line. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of that. Like you know, we were talking about with like the today. soaking and
1: stuff, like obviously right. not within the lines God has given given us, but within the lines he's given us, I mean, there is some leeway there and there is some spiritual interpretation. Like, like we always talk about the spirit of the law. Right. And mm-hmm. everyone's going to feel a bit more comfortable with things that someone might not feel comfortable with. So definitely something that I would recommend you take to the Lord and pray and fast if you feel the need to, to see where you're at and see if that's where he wants you to be. And I promise you, if you do that, he will let you know whether you are, you are not, because he's a very honest man. So.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So should we move on to the next one?
1: Sounds great. Yeah.
2: Okay. So the fifth principle of sexual health is a little bit outside of what we would typically think of, especially when it comes to church, but it's protection from um, sexually transmitted infections, HIV, and unwanted pregnancy. And I do think this is important to talk about because mistakes happen. We know that temptation is great, and mistakes do happen. Thank goodness we have the atonement, right? But are we taking precautions so that there isn't even more things happening, more consequences for our mistake. So I'll I'll tell you a little story and hopefully he won't mad, he won't be too mad at me for sharing this. <laughs> but um so my oldest son, I caught him sneaking in one night um at about 430 in the morning. And um I he had been out um with a girl all night long, and um, I sat down to talk to him, and I'm like, you know, this is leading to trouble. You know that this isn't good, and you know he's a stupid teenager. I get it. <laughs> like we all make we all make stupid mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do I do we need to go and buy you some condoms? Because while yes, you're gonna make stupid mistakes, I would rather you be prepared so that those mistakes aren't eternal. And, and he was like, no mom, we're fine. We're fine. I'm like, okay, but really like if that's what needs to happen, then we should do that because we all, we all make mistakes and I'm so grateful for the atonement and that that can wash away our sins, you know, so that we can become clean again. But if there's a baby, that's a lot harder. I mean oh, the atonement still covers, but there's still there's still consequences to that. So mm. this is what we you know, this is I think an important concept that, you know, yes, but it's not and this sounds really bad, but it's not the bad kids that get pregnant because they're the ones who are prepared. It's the good <laughs> ones. It's yep. the good ones who weren't mm-hmm. planning on having sex and made a mistake and ended up pregnant.
1: Yeah. And that's why I'm really glad you brought it up because I feel like, I mean, it's of course great to preach abstinence. It's what we believe and it's what we stand for. But like you said, mistakes happen and God knew that mistakes are going to happen. And that's why we have the atonement. And so this is a very important aspect of having a talk about sex. A very frank talk is talking about contraceptives and, you know, all of the sexually transmitted diseases, because those are very real possibilities when we make mistakes Mm -hmm. when it comes to sex. So... Um, and not being afraid to have those conversations and to be educated about those, even though you're not currently having sex. So right, it is, Absolutely. it is very important. Thank you for bringing that up.
2: Okay. The sixth sexual health principle is pleasure. And this really does come more into play when you are partaking in marital intimacy and really understanding that mutual pleasure is important. I think so many times um, the way that we see things on TV and movies and maybe even pornography, that it's really focused on male pleasure and not so much on female pleasure, and both are important. And so understanding before you get married what how female pleasure is accomplished and how that works and knowing that sex is usually better for both parties when it's female focused is really good to know.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think it's really important, like you're saying, and you do have a focus with females specifically when it comes to your coaching. So you know a lot about this, but lots of times girls don't understand that. And I know I was one of those that, you know, if you can have a good focus on the woman, then there's mm-hmm. a higher chance of it being enjoyable for both of you because no offense to guys but you know they they can they can get happy pretty quick yep <laughs> it's pretty easy pretty for quick them. and yeah.
2: <laughs> and because they understand their bodies better than most mm-hmm. women do before they get married because they
1: have external organs and it makes it a little bit easier for them
2: yes then you know it's a lot easier for them to understand how to have pleasure and so really mm-hmm. taking the time to understand both guys before you get married and ladies understand how your body works and how you can personally experience pleasure is really important.
1: And finding a guy that when he talks about sex with you, he makes an emphasis on making sure that you feel safe and you have a pleasurable experience is really important. Um, And so when you have those conversations before marriage, which are important, and we'll be talking about that in another podcast, but it's important to listen closely to what your significant other says and make sure that he is just as committed as you are to having a mutually pleasurable experience.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't look like what it does in the movies and TV or (laughs) pornography.
1: I think we (laughs) talked about this in our last episode about sex, that I love Grey's Anatomy. And they always have like these like really quick frenzied, like sexual experiences, like in the on-call rooms. And then they just pull up their pants and walk out. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's not how it is.
2: (laughs) It is not how it is. That is not how the warm up goes. That is not how after, like, it does not look like that at all. And, you know, or you see like the movies and like, you know, they get into apartment, they're all over each other. They jump in bed, they both orgasm within a minute and it's over. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that is not what sex is it's not what it looks like it's not realistic at all so just get that out of your head
0: Mm -hmm. i'm happy i'm happy you say that because i used that same exact analogy last time yeah about how they just break into the apartment and just looks like this most epic moment i'm like if that was me i always would have to pee and it, it would, would be always like, it'd be moment. like the
1: notebook scene like so dramatic jury's like hold on one sec i gotta go pee <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
0: that's the most realistic scene ever
1: yeah. yeah 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 i love that that's so funny but i think like lowering your expectations from like the romantic movie like everything goes perfectly there's no like weird noises or Random things that happen is a really good place to start. Just have lower expectations and not in a bad way, just like in an understanding way for both you and your future spouse that things don't always go to plan in life. And especially when it comes to sex and when you're both doing something that's very new and you're both learning about each other and each other's body, and sometimes your own body lots of times. So Just have patience and lower expectations, then you guys will get better at it. It will, it will improve. (laughs) I I really you hear.
2: Go ahead. Sorry, Jay.
0: I really do think that idea of patience and lower expectations is extra important uh, for Christian faith and members of our church because a lot of people aren't in our experience, you know, in the world today. Well, a
1: lot of people start having sex at like fourteen nowadays so
0: yeah well what i'm getting at is people will have intimate sexual relationships a lot of times on their first second date you know and then see if they have some connection after that and they've had sex with other people they can decide what they like if this person's not giving them the sexual experiences they like they'll find someone else who does this isn't going to be your experience this is going to be you're you're going to find somebody you're going to get married and then well for most people right Mm -hmm. this is going to be your experience and then if your expectations of what you want someone to do based on what you've heard or what or what you've seen somewhere um, are too high, then you're going to be disappointed with mm-hmm. your with your sexual experience. And I'll tell you that. And 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 touching back on what you said earlier that, you know, pornography is made is more geared towards towards male pleasure. Guys don't know the difference. You're watching. Yeah. You could be watching that and saying, oh, that girl is really liking that. And yeah. if that girl she loves that that's what all girls like i yeah. should do that and then that that ends up not being the case for women who actually want in a real relationship who want to feel respected and and know that you're caring about them and their feelings and what and what feels good because even though you might really want to do something to them it doesn't feel good they don't like it then it's not a mutually pleasurable experience and i think when you really have someone you really care about you want all of your intimate moments to be mutually pleasurable. And -hmm. it makes you feel better to know they're feeling better.
2: Absolutely. And really sex is a skill. Like we hear it's, oh, it's natural. You'll figure it out. It's a skill and it's going to take time to figure it out and to learn it's not going to look like it does in the movies ever and it's not definitely not going to look like that on your wedding night. So really like low again lowering those expectations and just like we're going to figure this out but it we're not going to be good at this at first and that's okay.
0: Yeah, I think people have to be comfortable as well knowing that you know understanding that concept and and learning about, you know, what what it might take to actually have good intimate relations isn't breaking the law of chastity i no. think it's not bad for somebody to be able to prepare themselves and in fact it's more respectful you know to find some some good articles and that's the dangerous thing And like if you don't know edu- <laughs> research right you could end up in danger you know but uh i think if if you're if you're looking to educate yourself and not just going into something completely cold turkey you know it might sound silly but you, you might not know what to do and your expectations of what's what's going to happen for your sexual sexual experience and your for your first time might be very, very rough if if both parties aren't really confident or understanding on how um, a more pleasurable experience may start.
2: Well, and that brings me to um, you said that I can share about my course, right? Yes. So um, I have a course for engaged LDS couples our latter day saint couples I guess um this it's an amazing course that teaches couples everything they need to know to have not only a great um sexual experience and sexual relationship but just really building some really good foundations for the marriage in general um it talks all about you know Pleasure. It talks about um, what to do when there's desire discrepancies. It talks about how to approach the wedding night, what you should be looking for in lubrication. Um, Just there's it, it's so, um, it's such an amazing course. Um, I recommend that couples take it about a month before they get married. Um, I think these conversations um, and the sexual health principles that we've gone over today, I go over in even more depth within the course. Um, And there's worksheets that go along with it to really help you understand a lot of different um, podcasts you can listen to and references that I put within the course so that you just are fully prepared for your wedding night and beyond. Because I think a lot of times we prepare for the wedding, you know, we make sure that that whole day is going to look good. And we just go into the wedding light, like we'll figure it out, we'll wing it. And it ends up for most couples that I have worked with and know, being a not so great experience. And this will really set you up to have not only a great wedding night, but a great sexual relationship and marriage through eternity.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that, and we will also be linking all of that below in the show notes um to kind of tie in with all of that what is what are some ways besides all of these great tips you've given us that that our listeners can help change their mindset of sex because I know in our culture a lot when it comes to sex, we're taught so much and so heavily as youth that are um like virginity and sex is like tied with worthiness. And so I can understand yeah. that it's a hard transition when you start having a sexual relationship with your spouse because you've been told no, 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 no. All of a sudden it's yes mm-hmm. to everything. And let, go ahead. You know, mm-hmm. a little slap on the bum on your way out the door. Like <laughs> and yeah. then it's everything's okay. Um, so what what are some tips you have for our listeners from your experience to help them, help them feel more comfortable with it beforehand and and change that mindset a little bit? Yeah.
2: Well, you need to understand what the actual doctrine of our church is versus the culture. The doctrine is actually very pro-sex and pro-pleasure. We are embodied beings. We were created in the image of our heavenly parents who are sexual beings. So this is a very good, good thing. But the way that it is communicated often, there's a lot of guilt, shame, and fear. And it's because we have this fear that sex is going to take us like on the road to hell. (laughs) And really, I mean, it's, that's really not the case because we have the atonement. So even if there are mistakes, there are ways to come back from it. It is not the end of the world, but within our value system, we We value the procreative powers and that they should be exercised within the bonds of marriage. So really understanding that the way that you are thinking and feeling about the opposite sex, the the very normal arousal and feelings that you have are good things. It is, you do not need to suppress them but you do need to learn to manage them in a way that is in alignment with your values and integrity. And if you can start to do that rather than suppress them, but really say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. These are good things when I can put them into context with the person that I'm supposed to marry. But right now I need to learn how to manage this. How is the best way for me to do that rather than just pushing them aside and thinking that they're bad and you shouldn't be feeling that way. You absolutely should be feeling that way. It is God given. So when you can really start to make that shift, like this is a good thing, even before I'm married, I just need to use it in a way that's in alignment with my values and my integrity. That's when we can start to shift that mindset around it. And and you're right. There is that problem because our mind will not make that light switch flip just because we say, you know, yes, over the altar. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Like it doesn't
2: do that. And if if you think it will, you're going to have problems. I promise you. Um, Studies that I've done show that um, conservative Christian women, about 40% have some sort of shame or guilt about sex after marriage that's a huge percentage. And I might be even low on that. It really is a huge problem. But the more that you can work to change your mindset beforehand, the better off you're going to be after.
1: Thank you so much for sharing all of that. That was all excellent advice. I, I really think it's important that uh, we work on that, even if you're not dating someone right now. Like Jerry said earlier, work on educating yourself. Of course, a great research is Amanda's podcast. So make sure you Mm -hmm. check that out and listen to that. And that will help get you in a really healthy, good mindset for sex um, starting now so that you can be prepared for when you are married and when you do start that journey of intimacy with your spouse.
0: Something I'm highly invested in and uh, something I might even encourage others to think about is the power of self-mastery of your thoughts. And what I mean by that is it's It's very easy for us to have an initial thought, and we're never at fault for the thought that comes, but we can be at fault for how we choose to respond
1: and entertain and
0: entertain those mm-hmm. thoughts and uh especially for guys we're we're often you know blamed or or shown to be uncontrollable with our sexual desires, like you cannot control it you're you're going to be aroused, it's and there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. It's like yeah, but you're with that concept comes i'm stuck like this now i have to release this i what am i supposed to do and then you get frustrated like it's someone else's responsibility to help manage that and it's not you can you can use your self mastery to be able to control your thoughts and say that i am not a victim of my carnal desires which is very powerful that i can i can control the thoughts that I have and and do other actions or other things to distract myself and, 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 uh, you know, lose those thoughts, so to say. And that's very powerful for someone who's in a, in a relationship, especially right before marriage, because you're going to have a whole lot of thoughts and a whole <laughs> lot of things you're going to want to do with that girl yeah. all the time, every day. <laughs> and That's not bad because you're, you are a guy and we tend to have those feelings, I would say a little bit more strongly than girls in, in, in the beginning. Um, but, but we can, we can't control that. And a lot of that has to do with the situations we put ourselves in, how far we let us, we let us go and simply managing that with the person that you're with and no, not, not even being scared to, to tell them that, you know, I, I'm worried that I might not be able to be as strong as as I want to be. And it's something I'm working on. That's, that's all part of boundaries. Anyways, the concept of of self-mastery is very important to me. And I, I self mastery
1: in a positive light, I think, is no. the important note here. Absolutely. It's like not Absolutely. to get mad at yourself or frustrated to be like, why am I so, I don't know, why am I so bad, you know, <laughs> or like hating on yourself for having fulfilling for something that's natural. Um, and just like with every, any, a lot, many things that are natural, like when you're trying to get on a new workout regimen and you're watching your diet and you're really craving that sugar cookie. I mean, that sugar cookie itself isn't bad. But you have a goal that you're working towards, and that's to I don't know gain a certain amount of muscle mass, right? So you're saying no to the sugar cookie for now, and that's fine, and it's the same thing with with controlling yourself and your thoughts. It's sex isn't bad, having those feelings isn't bad, but you're saving those for a special relationship that you're going to have with your spouse and so just reminding yourself that and reminding yourself of your goals and including the Lord in in that the waiting and in those efforts to keep yourself pure for that person um, is really important in all of those steps.
0: Yeah, that's about going to wrap up our podcast for today. I, I had a wonderful time talking with you, Amanda. I know, I know Brianna did. And uh, do you just have any final, any final thoughts you'd like to share before we, we wrap it up here?
2: Just one final thought I was having was, you know, the way that we talk about sex, uh, with, especially with our youth in the church, is, you know, that it can, it's a bad thing right? And sex isn't actually good or bad. It's what you do with it. And really, when we can use it within the context that and the guidelines that God has set forth for us, it can be an amazing blessing to your individual life and to your relationship. But using it outside of that, that's when it starts to cause problems. So again, looking at your values and And where where your integrity is and making sure that you're using your self-mastery to stay within that.
0: Yeah, I think that idea of context is is really important, right? The is is if I told you that I punched somebody, you know, are you thinking, wow, that's crazy bad? Are you thinking, why did you why did you punch him? You know, did I punch, someone, punch somebody because I was mad that he took the last can of food at the store that I wanted? <laughs> you know, or did I punch somebody because he pushed my daughter down in the store and was trying to assault her? You know, like there, there's different circumstances. Context matters.
1: Even yeah. in that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So was a really in,
1: extreme they, example. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, no,
0: because, no, no, it's perfect because innately hitting somebody isn't good or bad.
1: That's true, I guess.
0: It's not. <laughs> Because context you're, if you're doing... always matters.
1: Yes. I mean, <laughs> we're
0: talking about thou shalt not murder. And then in the scriptures, we got armies of people out here murdering mm-hmm. in the name of God. You know, like it when they were murdering those people for the life and liberty and pursuit of happiness of their people, it was it was good. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what we learned in the scriptures. And so, you know, the context always matters. The context always matters. And so I think what you're saying there is really important, especially as, as it pertains to sex. I like that a lot. Mm mm-hmm.
1: Thank you so much for coming on today. And we just want to wrap up by saying that we know that God loves you. We have a firm testimony of that and that you are all sons and daughters of God. And like we talked about earlier, the atonement is there and we're going to make mistakes. We're not going to be perfect, especially when it comes to things regarding sex (laughs) and learning about ourselves and our significant others and going on that pathway towards getting married and having these intimate relationships. There are going to be fumbles nobody's perfect and that's why the atonement is so great and just know that everyone's figuring it out alongside you and that we love you and we support you and we're here if you need anything we're so grateful that you listened to another episode and we're so grateful for for amanda for joining us for this episode today thank you so much
0: so if there's a way that people want to reach out to you amanda how can they how can they do that how can they connect with you
2: yeah, so my website is just my name, amandalouder.com, and you can find my Engaged Couples course. You can go to my podcast. You can find me on social media at Amanda Louder Coaching, and, of course, my podcast, Sex for Saints.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for that information. If you guys are looking for more information about sexual health, I'm sure we'll have some here, but Amanda's going to have a lot more. Yes. So go over there and subscribe to her. Of course, subscribe to Single to Sealed if you haven't already. I'm talking to you, Sarah. Make sure that you get that done. And uh, we're so excited to continue making these podcasts and having you alongside with us. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow.
1: If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content.
0: Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you you next time. time.